Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I've been looking for a used road bike on Craigslist for some time now, and a good friend of mine and fellow Redditor linked me an ad yesterday that was only 15 miles away and had the exact bike I was after for less than half of what I'd planned on paying for it. The guy had bought it, used it for half a year, then broke his ankle in a freak accident. He hadn't used the bike since. I was a little skeptical about the condition as it had supposedly sat for a while, but the photos he sent me looked great so all that was left was a test ride. I managed to secure this morning for a short five-miler. 
I'd leave my truck in his driveway as collateral. Morning almost passed me by when I slept through my first two alarms, only to be drugged from sleep late by my very last one. I quickly realized what time it was and gathered my cash and my cycling clothes before nearly running out the door without pants. I quickly threw a pair of shorts on and headed to my truck. Craigslist can lead to some iffy characters, so I always let someone know where I'm going. This time I texted my mom just to give her a heads up. The drive was uneventful, except that it put me in a real sketchy neighborhood across the county. I was less than a mile from the county line, and I didn't really know the area well, so I was glad that I'd left the extra time when I ended up lost. I wasn't truly lost. No one with a smartphone ever really is lost, but I was close. Happily I found the street within a couple of minutes, and I was pulling up beside the house seconds later. Like I said, it looked like a pretty sketchy neighborhood, and I'm somewhat ashamed to say that I was prepared to tell the guy no if the bike looked stolen. The area really looked scary, and I had looked up a list of local stolen bikes recently at the behest of our cycling just in case I came across a stolen one and had a few serial numbers with me in case this one looked like a match. After waiting a few tense minutes in the driveway, the door suddenly opened and a huge bull mastiff came charging at me with no leash. My first instinct was to turn and run, and I damn near did, but I remembered from my sister-in-law, who happens to be a veterinarian, that dogs are more apartment to chase and bite in those scenarios, so I stood my ground while the hundred-pound muscle machine ran straight for me barking loud enough to wake the dead. I held my breath as the dog skidded to a halt a foot or so in front of me, reared on his hind legs and licked me solidly across the entire left side of my face. I could see her collar, and it read Petunia. Yes, a full-grown bull mastiff named Petunia. The dog was a giant teddy bear. She was practically purring for me after a few seconds, and I was beginning to be less and less afraid, until the door opened again and her owner stepped onto the front porch. Now, if Petunia was big, this guy was bigger. I guess he hadn't been sized properly when he bought his bike because I'm six, and a 56-centimeter bike fits me like a glove. He was maybe six foot seven, or better, balding, and every bit of 300 pounds. He walked with a slight limp, I assume from the lingering effects of the ankle injury, and carried a Louisville slugger as he approached me. The dog slinked away from him and began to cower in fear behind me which, I have to imagine, was quite the comical sight to see. Every fiber of my being encouraged me to jump in my truck, drive the hell away, and never look back. Until the guy spoke, he had a high tenor of a voice that was borderline comical, but actually fit him quite well. We got to talking a little bit, and I find out that he's a semi-professional singer. He loans his voice out to local choirs who need someone to fill in for spot performances, and has actually helped record several soundtracks for some small-budget movies. He, much like his dog, was also a huge teddy bear. Shortly thereafter, the dog was greeting him much like she'd greeted me. During our conversation, we eventually came to the bike, and he talked about how he'd broken his ankle at work, and even with physical therapy, cycling just put too much strain on it. He was hoping to save for a small above-ground pool to help him work out his ailing foot. He was... Only 41 after all, and still plenty young in his book. His house was split level, and he kept the bike in the basement which attached to the garage. It was an odd setup, but seeing as how the house was built into the side of a hill, it did make sense. 
The basement, however, was something taken straight from the depths of the creepiest horror flick I have ever seen. It had an old barber's chair, needles, syringes, and small knives. I began to get worried when he must have saw the look on my face and explained that he runs his own small-time tattoo parlor when he has free time. He does piercings as well, but he doesn't have any of those on his person. He proceeded to show me the intricate work he'd done on both of his forearms, as he was wearing long sleeves to begin with, and noted that he was completely ambidextrous. His work was amazing. He'd etched a flowing scene of colors and shapes along much of both of his arms, and the work was still in progress. He even had an old computer and printer on the desk by the chair, so that his friends could email him new designs to check out. Once we entered the actual garage, things began to look more normal. An old beat-up car, a few old mountain bikes, and an air compressor that looked like it was from the 50s. Finally, I saw the nearly new road bike leaning on the old car. It was in pristine shape, had no visible scratches, and didn't have any chain or gear where that I could see. I asked him if I was good to test ride it, and he responded with, I already pumped the tires up and everything for ya. I left my truck in the driveway, as promised, and headed out to a short five-mile loop I had set up ahead of time. It would take about 18 minutes or so, I was precise on my timing, and I'd be right back. The bike handled like a dream, shifted cleanly, and probably had fewer miles on it than he thought. Both sets of gears worked as if they were purchased new yesterday, and I was getting up to speed far quicker than I did on my fitness bike. I was planning on doing a few really long rides in the coming weeks, and this was certainly going to be a massive upgrade. I was really stoked and had already purchased clip-in shoes and pedals, along with a spare tube in case I got a flat. After less than a mile I knew I was ready to purchase it. The remainder of the ride was going to be pure enjoyment. Halfway there I could see a few high school boys gathering on the road ahead of me. It looked like they were setting down tires to block my path. I really wasn't familiar with the neighborhood and with the bike, so I decided to hop onto the grass and go around them. I was moving at a pretty good clip so I had to be careful. One of them threw something at me and I realized there was a car tire rolling directly towards my path. I'm an experienced rider, I have thousands of miles under my belt, and dodged the slow moving wheel with ease. The boys then chased after me on foot while I bolted for the house. I looked back a few seconds later, and they were gone. I did, however, catch a glimpse of one of them as he blended into the trees, and then I was alone again. Every bend was a new terror at this point. I didn't know if I'd run into them again or see them busting out of the woods randomly, so I started to book it. I was pushing 25 miles per hour when I rounded the last bend, and I hopped into the driveway as quickly as I could. Only the man and his dog were nowhere to be found. I didn't see the kids either, but I still wanted to buy the bike, so I slowly entered the garage and walked towards the basement where I hoped to find him. Several tense minutes went by and I had no sign of him. If I were a dishonest person, I'd have just taken the bike and left. I could have even left the money in the door for him, but I didn't want to just bail like that, and I'm not a thief, so I waited. I finally heard movement from within the house, so I climbed the wooden stairs to the main floor and tentatively knocked on the door. The movement within suddenly stopped and I heard some scrambling across the floor. I presumed that it was just the dog until the door flew open and almost hit me in the face. I jumped back and down one step to avoid the door and something grabbed my feet. 
Looking ahead, I could see one of the boys from earlier at the top of the steps and several of them standing underneath grabbing my ankles. One of them was slowly walking past the computer desk and up the stairs with a tire iron in his hands. This was one of those times when I'd love to say that I fought back and knocked several attackers out before busting through a door calling the police to come arrest the bunch. Nope. I tried to run. I grabbed the railing and tried to shake my feet free. Unfortunately, the railing wasn't as sturdy as it looked, and it gave out from under me at the first hint of my weight, and I came crashing down off the side of the stairs and onto the hard concrete floor. Head first. I blacked out. After an undetermined period of time, I slowly came to, only to see that I had a dark hood over my head. Oddly, my head actually didn't hurt. I must have blacked out just from the fall. I could feel that my hands were bound with rope as well. I could hear voices around me asking what they should do with me. Someone muttered about burying the last one, and a few people mumbled in agreement. I could see a little through the hood over my face, and I could make out about half a dozen figures. The kids. They looked young enough to be high school, but a few might have been over 18. The man and his dog were still nowhere to be found, and I hoped that they would return shortly, before I realized that he was probably in danger too. He may have already met his fate. I tried to remain as inconspicuous as possible and waited for the best opening I could get. I was planning on sprinting back out the main garage door and into my truck. I kept a spare key in the lining of the driver's seat. It wasn't an expensive truck, so I'd never been worried about having it stolen, and the kids could keep my wallet, keys, and phone. I'd be happy to trade them for safety. I saw a few of them digging through a tool chest and bringing out tools that made metallic clanging sounds giving me goosebumps. I could tell that none of the boys were currently looking my direction, and I was beginning to loosen my bonds bit by bit. This was the lull I needed. Ready as I was to run, there's always something that can go wrong. At that exact moment the guy came home. Maybe he'd gone to look for me, maybe he'd tried to follow me in another car to make sure I didn't steal his bike, I don't know but he was walking in the garage at that exact moment. The boys all stopped talking abruptly and looked up at him. I thought he was going to start swinging at them when I heard him say, Oh good, I see you got him. I couldn't find him, didn't want him to get away or anything, and my heart sank. The dog was nowhere in sight, but I had to imagine that she'd chase me now if I made a run for it. I still had to try. This might be the only chance I'd get. I saw the man move behind a wall in the garage and took my chance. I bolted to my feet and was all the way to the garage before I heard the first kid exclaim that I'd moved. Then the guy was right there. I couldn't see well and didn't quite have my hands free, but then there was a man right in my face. He moved so quick for someone so large. I didn't stand a chance. His bare paw-sized hands grabbed me by the shoulders and he calmly exclaimed, Where were you going? As I shook in fear. He dragged me to the tattoo chair, sat me down, and began to strap my arms and legs to the cold metal. It was then that I realized there was a halo above the chair, eerily resembling the electric chair, and I could hear the dull hum of high-voltage electricity nearby. As if he realized that I'd noticed this, he nodded and pointed to a large breaker built into the wall. This was it. I was going to die. Suddenly, out of nowhere the guy leans in real close and whispers into my ear, April Fools, and stands back. I sit there in shock, wondering how on earth this could be a joke when suddenly my friend emerges from beneath the stairs. 
He nearly knocked the computer off its desk in his haste and screamed, We scared the hell out of you. Oh man, you should see your face. The guy and the kid started to laugh as they undid the bonds lashing me to the chair. First they began to explain how they lured me in. The Craigslist ad was real, but the actual price of the bike was much higher. My buddy offered to pay a little extra if the guy would let him use his house and garage to build the better mousetrap. Secondly, they convinced a few neighborhood kids to try to scare me on the bike. They were told that I'd be able to easily dodge a slow-moving tire as I was a good rider. Each of the hooligans were being paid via pizza to torment me. I kind of threw a wrench in the plan when I mapped out my own test ride route. Luckily for my friend, I gave him an easy solution when I emailed the seller. I included my route in the very first paragraph. They'd know exactly where I was going and could set things up ahead of time. Lastly, they had to keep me from calling 911. It's not a very good April Fool's prank when the person being pranked calls 911 for help. They had planned on me falling down the stairs and had set two mattresses in case I went either way. The one beside the computer desk had broken my fall. In an utter display of unmanliness, I blacked out in fear apparently giving them plenty of time to tie me up and relieve me of my phone. Please, if your friends prank you today, get them back. Make sure to get them back, even if you have to enlist outside help. It's totally worth it. Here is how I gained a stalker. When I was 19, I went on Craigslist's casual encounters to find some NSA hookups. 99% of the people that responded to my ad were either dudes or fake. One girl messaged me and she seemed cute and was real. She Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Lived about an hour away from me, and we chatted back and forth and followed each other on MySpace. It was 2008, so we decided to meet up, get dinner, then go to a hotel and do things. I get to her house and am greeted by a drunk middle-aged woman in the driveway, her mom. I eventually meet X. She was about 100 pounds heavier than all the pictures, had a huge neck tattoo that said F and had multiple facial piercings and rainbow-colored hair. I was horny and swallowed all my standards, had dinner, went to the hotel and banged it out. Next day I drop her off at her house, she said thanks I needed that see you never. She unfriended me on MySpace and made no attempt to contact me after so I was like cool a one night stand. About a week later it's late at night and I hear pounding on my front door. This freak found my address in the phone book and wanted to see me. She rambled about getting kicked out of the house and her mom told her to go live with her boyfriend. I explained that is not possible. To get to my house she has to take a bus to a train station in Providence Rye. Take a train to Boston's South Station, then take another train south to my town, then walk five miles to my house. Wicked spooky, I am really freaked out, and she starts crying and asks to get dropped off at the train station, and I oblige. Before she gets out of the car, I tell her I'm really not comfortable with her, 
and that I don't think she should contact me again. For the next few weeks, my phone gets blown up non-stop by her always at sleeping hours. All day and all night calls and text. I changed my number and stopped using my AIM messenger. I finally got some breathing room and a month or so passed. Zero dark, thirty, I'm sleeping. Pounding on the door again, she's back. This time with some morbidly obese gothic girl. They start yelling at me about how since we had sex I'm her boyfriend now. My mom eventually comes to the door and starts yelling at them and threatens to call the police. They leave and drive off in some shitball car. They showed up at my work a few days later and they did not realize I was interning for a public safety department at a local college spooked them. I told the people I worked with about them and they spooked them straight since the guys looked like police officers. I have not heard from her in eight years, so I think they did a good job. However, there are lots of freaks on the internet, and they seem to live on Craigslist. About six years ago, my now husband, Josh, and I moved to Northern Kentucky for work. Northern Kentucky is part of a tri-state area with Ohio and Indiana. This was our first apartment that was larger than a shoebox, and we were looking for some extra counter space. We found the perfect microwave cart on Craigslist, so Josh called up the, the seller, who seemed perfectly normal. The address was on Renardi and Ross, which we assumed was in Kentucky. We also assumed, based on our own experiences with waterfront property on the East Coast, that it would be a nice neighborhood, as it was right on the Ohio River. So we mapped out our route and went on our way in our Mustang convertible with the top down. It was just getting dark outside at this point. After a considerable drive, and after passing the road by accident, we found it. In addition to the street sign, which was mostly hidden by bushes and trees, it was marked with some very faded wooden signs which we couldn't read very well in the dark. Those signs probably should have been our first inclination that something wasn't right but we vaguely took notice and turned down the street. Upon going over a small hill that included railroad tracks going perpendicular to the road, we bottomed out and lost our muffler. So with our car's now extra loud engine, we came out of the trees into a small trailer park. There were about five trailers on each side of the road, which ended in a cul-de-sac. Immediately we were a bit nervous, having not expected a scene like this. Josh pulled the car in and turned it around so we were facing the exit. Immediately, the inhabitants of the trailer park, who had all been standing together talking, came over and surrounded our car. I was pretty much panicking at this point and was nudging Josh, just wanting to get out of there. The large, beer-bellied, redneck man, who seemed to be the spokesperson of the group, asked angrily what we were doing there. Josh told him we were there about the microwave cart from Craigslist. The man said, Craigslist? Nah, we don't got nothing like that here. What'd you say you were looking for? At this point, Josh is calling the woman he had spoken to on the phone, and there are about eight people all around our car. Luckily for us, they were not at the front of the car. The woman answers the phone, Josh realizes we're obviously in the wrong place, apologizes a few times, and we floor it out of there. On the way out, we go over the hill and bottom out again. Speaking to the woman on the phone, we realized that she was on Renardi in Ross Township, Ohio. We set off for her actual residence and claimed our microwave cart at her nice, normal suburban home. We were scared shitless and our car was even louder than normal, but we were safe. There are plenty of lessons to be learned from others who've dealt with Craigslist creeps, 
but we still use it when necessary and haven't really had any actual issues. One lesson we did learn though, riverfront property in the Midwest is the complete opposite of beachfront property on the East Coast. So though we don't live anywhere near the Midwest now, creepy trailer park rednecks, let's not meet. I've played World of Warcraft since the beginning. I've met some really amazing people and some really awful people. This is about the worst guy I've ever met. I wanted to start raiding for the first time in an expansion called Warlords of Dreener. I was a tank and joined a raiding guild. My other tank was a monk. In the beginning, everything was fine. There was a brief moment where I think he was taken aback that I was a girl because he asked me if I didn't realize that warriors couldn't heal but I ignored it and moved on. Monk and I would talk on the side to talk about general tanking strategies, or we would try out things to see if our class was better at different things. There was nothing ever romantic between us because I was in a long-term relationship. Ironically, she introduced me to WoW. We eventually got to become what I thought was close friends. We played for close to a year together. We had also branched out to other co-op games while still playing WoW. At the same time, my girlfriend, now wife, and I were moving where she got an intern opportunity, and we were moving maybe an hour away from him. So we decided to meet. The meetup was kind of weird, to be honest. He was kind of awkward, but so was I. We just make it through and continue being friends. Another few months go by and Monk and I are still talking and playing pretty consistently. He's quit WoW at this point, but we are playing other stuff together. One night I tell him my girlfriend's brother was coming to visit. I hadn't seen him in close to two years because we lived far away so I was incredibly excited. I mentioned my excitement to the monk and he flips out, demanding why her brother is allowed to visit before he visits again, and how is he going to spend his time if I'm not there. I end up flatly telling him that he needs to figure that out by himself. I must have struck a nerve because man goes ballistic and starts spamming my phone with calls that I ignore and messages that I also mute. So he does the next logical move and puts my name, picture, and address on Craigslist personals. I get hounded in my apartment for hours, and I only realize what's happened because someone pulls up the ad on his phone to angrily gesture at it. It's a mess for a while afterwards. We end up staying in a hotel for a few days as we talk to police. The police say they can't really do anything because there's no proof he was the one that did anything. Fine, that's fair. The police also tell me that I need to tell him I don't want to talk to him anymore so I text him, and he sends back a message apologizing for putting my information up. I debate filing the restraining order then, but I'm so beat down that I choose not to. It's a big mistake. He messages me on everything he can find of me. I block him as soon as I can, but he's messaging me on Tumblr and Twitter and Steam and just overall overwhelming me. I file a restraining order. He's quiet for a few months afterwards, and I hope that's the end, but for one last hurrah, he sends me $200 on Venmo telling me that he did it again and he needs someone to talk to. I just ignore it. It's been two years since everything happened and I started playing WoW again. I'm learning to love it again. We're still on the same server, and I worry about running into him, but I'm too poor to transfer my characters off, so guess I'm stuck. Anyways, Tank who got all intense on me, let's not meet. As the day of our big move approached, 
my friend handed me an old exercise bike she had obtained years ago at a yard sale. We decided it was time to part ways with it, and not wanting to burden ourselves with unnecessary items during the move, I thought of listing it for a mere $100 on a local marketplace. To be honest, I had modest expectations, thinking I might be lucky to get $20 for this relic of a workout machine. To my surprise, someone showed interest almost immediately. A guy named Mark messaged me, expressing his excitement about the exercise bike. He was thrilled by the prospect of owning it, and was willing to pay the full $100 without any negotiation. Puzzled but not one to question a good deal, I agreed to the sale. We arranged to meet at our old house on the very day we were moving out. It seemed convenient enough, and I figured it would be a safe transaction. As Mark arrived, I could see the genuine excitement in his eyes. It was as if he had stumbled upon a hidden treasure. Without hesitation, he eagerly handed over $100, and started inspecting the 20-year-old exercise bike with delight. The bike, a heavy and somewhat outdated piece of exercise equipment, didn't seem to have any intrinsic value. I couldn't help but wonder why Mark was so enthusiastic about it. However, he didn't seem to mind. He loaded the exercise bike onto his vehicle all by himself, still beaming with joy. The whole situation was both amusing and puzzling. Curiosity got the better of me after the sale. I decided to do some research and googled the model of the exercise bike. Surprisingly, I found that there was absolutely no significant value to it, other than being a heavy piece of scrap metal. It made me chuckle to think that I had just made $100 from something I thought would barely fetch $20. Reflecting on the experience, I realized that sometimes, perceived value can be subjective. What may seem like an old, unwanted item to one person might be a source of genuine excitement for another. Mark walked away with his newfound treasure, and I walked away with an unexpected $100 in my pocket. It was a win-win situation, proving that sometimes the true worth of an item lies in the joy it brings to its new owner, even if that joy is inexplicable to the seller. And so, with one less heavy item to move, I chuckled at the quirks of life and the unexpected turns a simple exercise bike could bring into a day of moving chaos. Moving into my first apartment brought with it the excitement of newfound independence and the need to furnish my humble abode on a budget. Scouring Craigslist for deals, I stumbled upon a listing for a tiny George Foreman grill that seemed to fit my needs perfectly. Little did I know that this seemingly mundane purchase would lead to one of the strangest and unforgettable encounters of my life. Arranging to meet the seller at his apartment, I found myself standing outside a nondescript building wondering what kind of person I was about to encounter. The door opened, revealing an older, extremely skinny man with a peculiar haircut that reminded me of the circular shape often associated with monks. This gentleman, whom I'll refer to as Mr. Cul-de-sac, warmly invited me inside to showcase the grill. As I entered his sparsely furnished home, I couldn't help but notice the emptiness of the space. There were a few scattered boxes, a dinner table, and not much else. It was a peculiar setting, but my focus remained on the grill I came to purchase. Mr. Cul-de-sac, eager to demonstrate the grill's capabilities, offered to cook a snack for me. The bizarre turn of events unfolded as he placed three pieces of bologna on the tiny George Foreman grill. The sizzle of the meat and the aroma filled the room, creating an odd ambience. 
I watched, slightly bewildered, as he meticulously cooked the bologna. It was an unexpected cooking show in the midst of what should have been a straightforward transaction. To my surprise, Mr. Cul-de-sac then proceeded to devour the freshly grilled bologna right before my eyes. It was an eccentric display that left me wondering if I had unintentionally stumbled into a parallel culinary universe. The strangeness of the situation peaked when, without warning, he handed me the still-burning hot grill. Feeling a mix of confusion and awkwardness, I placed the grill in an empty box he had lying around, using it as a makeshift container. I thanked him, hastily left his peculiar domain, and contemplated the odd encounter on my way back to my apartment. As I settled into my new place, the tiny George Foreman grill stood as a reminder of that surreal experience. It became a story to share with friends, a tale that started with a simple Craigslist purchase, but unfolded into an unexpected journey into the eccentricities of a stranger's culinary world. Little did I know that a quest for a budget-friendly appliance would leave me with not just a grill, but a memory etched in the annals of my apartment living adventures.